Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. What's going on, guys? It's your boy Dylan, and I'm coming to you with a word from our sponsors, BetOnline.ag. Ever since we joined the Believe Podcast Network, BetOnline has been our staple sponsor, and I'm just here to tell you that our partners at BetOnline continue to be the number one source for all your betting needs and sports odds. Find all the latest odds, news, and sports development, including this year's NBA Finals and the NHL Hockey Conference Finals, Major League Baseball, and the latest fighting news, and even next season's early NFL futures. Just head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code BELIEVE, that is capital letters B-L-E-A-V, to get the bonus and to get into action. Bet online where the game starts. What is up, Thunder fans? It's just Jerry. Um, I'm the only one here today. Uh, everybody else is either sick, in the air. Um, we're doing other cool stuff, uh, but I think I'm doing something even cooler. Uh, we got another draft episode for you guys, and uh, this one's kind of interesting to me because I totally forgot about this. So uh, without further ado, uh, joining us today is a man of mystery. He is the host of the self-titled Chucking Darts. He has stated he is 100% correct until the ball is tipped. Uh, and he absolutely crushed the last year's two, uh, top pick for the Thunder by having Josh Giddy at six. Ladies and gentlemen, get ready to talk rigorously and joyfully about the NBA draft with Chuck of Chucking Darts. Welcome in, Chuck. How the heck are you doing tonight, man? Oh, I'm I'm doing very well. We just crowned an NBA champion. Hard not to uh, be on a little bit of buzz from that alone. But thank y'all very much for for the invite and for that intro. I, I so, this is this is good, man. Just you and me. We're, this is going to be a nice, intimate like, darts <laughs> after dark kind of pod. I'm into it. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I definitely did not read that as good as Dylan does. But um, Dylan, I know you're going to be listening to this. I did my best, man. Um, you definitely write very well for how you speak. So um, we, we got Chuck on here. Um, he sort of buried the lead on me there, but we just did, you know, crown another NBA champion tonight. Um, unfortunately, it was the Golden State Warriors. Um, I was really wanting the Celtics to, to do something with it. I was, I'm just ready for like that pass the torch moment to this next generation. And it just hasn't happened. Um, but yeah, hell of a series Steph played out of his mind like literally all six games um yeah I don't know tonight was just special too did you watch the whole game uh just about I actually turned it on after really in the second quarter after the Warriors had sort of responded and taken the lead and it was in the middle of that like 21-0 run that's when I flipped it on and followed it the rest of the way yeah I watched the yeah. whole thing happen and it was just a train wreck um for the Celtics at least and then you know that part where Steph 
just turn himself into like a meme and a, and a gif or a gif, depending on how you want to say it. Uh, whenever he did the whole yeah, you know, sure. 99 time. Yeah, yeah, like he he really went off. Um, yeah, hell of a series. Hell of a series. Um, but the Thunder are coming soon, so. Just That's enjoy, right. Enjoy That's it right. While you Let's can. go. Let's <laughs> enjoy, go. Enjoy it while you can. Um, no, man, so let's just, we'd like to get a little bit of background from our guests so our guests know who the heck we're talking to and what they're about. So I was going to ask you some quick questions real fast about yourself. So uh, it's an NBA podcast. You're an NBA guy. So who's your favorite team? Favorite team growing up, uh, the Knickerbockers of New York. Oh, man. But I will say that around 10 years ago, when I really got into like league pass, I became a true league pass junkie. And I, frankly, I, I can't really call myself a Knicks fan now because that's an insult to the, the people who really follow and live and die with the team. I still have a deep affection for them, but yeah. the, the James Dolan stuff kind of, it sort of dulled my fandom and I saw so much to love about the rest of the league that it just, yeah. it, it suited my personality more to just try to learn as much as I can and just root for everyone. And that's more or less where I'm at now. Like this finals, I probably, I also like past the torch moments. So I was rooting for the Celtics, but for me, it was gravy. Cause these were two, these were dart grown teams battling yeah. out in the finals. And that to me is the most important thing that, you know, the team stuck by the guys that they developed and are reaping the rewards. That's how it should be. So. Oh yeah. Yeah. Well, and then you think of the Celtics start of the season, it was just atrocious and then mm -hmm. they turned it around and, you know, what two seed and went through a very tough path to get to where they got to. So um, yeah, I'm, I'm actually a junkie too, but I'm not a fan of 30 teams. Um, I can't, <laughs> I couldn't do it. Uh, we've actually fell in love in my house, me and my wife. Uh, before my daughter came, we just stay up late watching all the West Coast games together because she would just like to do it with me, you know. And um, she fell in love with – she was a part-time Blazers fan for a little bit until the shot. Um, and I think you know what I'm talking about whenever I say the shot. I it don't. Why don't you go through it step-by-step step for me to try to refresh Absolutely not. Um, <laughs> <laughs> absolutely not. But uh, – uh, she was a Blazers fan. We fell in love with the Pelicans, Drew Holiday. Um, mm -hmm. uh, I remember four or five years ago saying, or like three or four years ago saying, um, these two young guys and Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown are going to be special. Like, I just they had a very good feeling about them. I mean, they got drafted higher, at least, you know, Jason did. But um, you could just tell they had something that would put them in that caliber and see that was kind of cool. Uh, especially just like you said, all homegrown. I mean, look at Marcus Smart over there, still hanging out and has screwed up in so many playoff games until this year and just played immaculately. Um, yeah, good season for the Celtics, great season for the Warriors. Uh, did you watch any of the post game? A little bit, a little bit. Um, did, you, did you hear the Clay Thompson holy cannoli? <laughs> no i missed that yeah. clay's the best though i mean what well, yeah highest <laughs> highest approval rating of any nba player maybe ever is clay yeah i mean he just doesn't disappoint such Never. a good dude yeah and then but... what a what a great i mean i'm not going to be the first or last person to say but what a great story for him yeah you know it just the warriors there is a uh 
You know, it's weird because if you look at them from a certain light, there's sort of, a, you know, Silicon Valley light years ahead. There's a there's a certain smugness that you can galvanize yeah. yourself into sort of rooting against and resenting. And I, I, I will do that from time to time. But Steph and Clay and Draymond have, you know, they have a very, very healthy bond between yeah. them. And so okay. you, you really have no choice but to respect that and appreciate it. No, you absolutely do. You absolutely do. So I think your last answer kind of spills into this answer. Uh, so what first got you into evaluating talent for the draft? Like you're, you're a junkie, you're a self just, you know, prescribed junkie here. So uh, what got you into just chasing the young guys? Yeah, man. Um, I had been, what the, I'm, I'm trying to think exactly when I first really started paying attention attention to the 2017 draft i remember was hyped up as being like really really good which is interesting because in retrospect i i think out of the last four drafts maybe five drafts i don't know it's late right now bear with me it, it's arguably like the fourth or fifth best but at the time um you know with donovan mitchell and Tatum and Bam and Fox. I, I want to say that that draft season, it was thought of like really, really highly. Yep. And that sort of piqued my interest because I was like, all right, well, that's awesome. And I just sort of took it at face value and wanted to follow. It was the first time I really remember paying attention to summer league in like a real way <laughs> um, and wanting to follow those guys. But it wasn't until, and then I would pay a bit more attention year after year. But it wasn't until 2020 that I really had the time to sink my teeth into it, you know, because of quarantine and everything. Yep. And with that draft being delayed um, for several months and, you know, there not being any other real sports on, I, it was just a great time to be able. I mean, great time it was not a great time, <laughs> but like, you know what I mean? There yeah. was ample opportunity to sort of sink my teeth into it. And figure out if it was something that I really liked or wanted to try myself. And what um, interested me most about 2020 was uh, that it was maligned. It was the opposite of 2017. It was these guys aren't good. This is such a bad class. Can we please get to 2021? Can't believe we have to cover these guys for all these extra months. Blah, 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 blah. <laughs> um, and when I started to look into it, I just... I just did not agree. And I, it, I I only like half knew what I was doing. And I was just trying to sort of construct my philosophy out of, you know, whole cloth. Yeah. But I thought that Ant and LaMelo um, and a few other guys like Pokashevsky included, in fact, I thought they were just such unique talents and they were uh, extremely young for being, you know, top picks, lotto picks, top five picks. Yeah. And they just had so much style and so much uh, that was unique to them relative to other draft classes, in my opinion, that I thought it was like a really underrated draft. And so the when I started my podcast, um, my first episode, I went through all the drafts since 2000 and tried to figure out what an average uh, draft looked like in terms of 
star power. I, I used like a very loose definition of what a star is. And then said, so, you know, how many stars can you really expect from a given yeah. year? And on average, on average, it was only like two to three. Yeah. And so 2020 had a very, I mean, a relatively low bar to clear to become a good draft relative to what people thought, I think. And I, I believe that's still an issue, especially around this time, because I know we're going to talk about the Thunder trading up uh, from 12 because they have all of this extra capital. Yeah. And uh, trading up in the draft is interesting. Around draft time, you know, the the appeal of draft picks is never higher than like right now. Like that is when their trade value is the highest. That's when hope and hype are the highest. Yeah. And so if you trade up to pick six, let's say like, that's a good pick that that's going to cost you a pretty penny and you can be really hyped about that. But if there's only three stars in the draft and other teams do their job, there's a good chance they're all gone by pick six. Then again, lots of teams don't do their job. And so it's just, it's, it's such an addicting, interesting, enriching topic um, for an NBA obsessive, because in spite of how smart all of these teams are, even teams that aren't smart are very smart and full of smart people. Um, Talking to you Kings. (laughs) Talking to you Kings. I mean, it could be anyone, man. Like, like DeMontis Sabonis is a really good player, a oh, really yeah. good player. Yeah. So like, it's just um, even really smart teams. The Warriors drafted James Wiseman two years ago. Like they get it wrong. Yeah. And I think the, the messaging about the draft and teams getting it wrong has always been, well, it's impossible to get it right. Like when you screw up, it's, it's a crap shoot. Don't yeah. worry about it, guys. It's a crap shoot. How could you possibly expect to be really good at this? Um, and there's an element of randomness to it. And there's an element at, at least of um, like good fortune and bad fortune to it, of course, but you can always get better. And that's where, in my opinion, it's where the next sort of inefficiency, it's where the inefficiency has always been is how well you build through the draft. But the, I think there's a renewed scrutiny and interest in it now. Um, and, you know, this year's no exception. So it's, it's like Christmas in June for me. Well, and it's, yeah, there's just so much bias. There's just so much built into it. Um, but it's, it's definitely fun. I've, I can be honest with you. So this year, after last year, right? Because, um, you know, in your intro, I didn't know that, that you were the guy that had Josh Giddy at number six. All right. So I went through the whole draft time, like just, book night I'm, I'm trying to think of who it's scotty barnes you know what i mean like i was just throwing guys out there the whole off season and then it was josh giddy somebody that i had like not really paid attention to at all or even really looked at like at all you know like i think i maybe watched one or two videos a couple clips of him that was it and i was like oh yeah he's a good looking white kid that can pass the ball very well um and he's six eight he can move pretty well um, but he was also playing in the NBL, which is a little bit different than over here. Um, not all players can transition over, but anyways, that draft taught me a big lesson this year. And for Thunder fans that have been around a while, we really haven't had draft picks 
like <laughs> prior to last year. You know, we we traded everything off to just try to keep that team going and and keep it moving. And it was so overwhelming last year, just with everything going on and who we picked coming into this year. It's even crazier because we got the second pick, then we got the twelfth, then we got the thirtieth. Well, not anymore, but we had the thirtieth, um, mm-hmm. and then the thirty fourth. So it's just I'm on a like mental shutdown when it comes down to the draft right now because. I'm down to the point where I just say I'm going to trust Sam Presti and that whole front office team. I just, I, I can't even invest so much time into it anymore. So <laughs> it's great to have guys like you and, you know, just people just super passionate about, you know, the draft and the draft process and, and what to look for. And, and like you going back 20 something years to go see how many stars came out of it. A lot of people don't think of that. Like really and truly, there's not a lot of stars. Um, it's all about just building good team guys and it working at the right time um, and everything just coming together. So uh, moving on to the quick, uh, the next uh, background question, what was the ins- inspiration behind Chucking Darts, the name behind it? Oh, um, my name's Chuck. And I, in, in keeping with... Um, the whole crapshoot theme, how I think it's kind of lame that teams let themselves off the hook with that. Another thing they say is like, it's, you know, you're throwing darts at a dartboard. Yeah. And you know, that this is, it was like a fun little semi ironic way of saying, you know, this is me. I'm going to be, I'm going to give this a shot. I'll be wrong plenty, but it's, it's about improving and getting better. And there is a goal where you can get very good at it. Yeah. It is not completely random. You can get better. And that's it. That's basically it. Nice. I did have a kid once follow me um, who was like really just into darts. And I was like, oh, this isn't going to last very long. I'm going to lose a follower. <laughs> it's like this kid in like Scotland. Um, <laughs> it was just like loved darts. And I was like, oh, man, that's too bad. He's telling his dad <laughs> at the pub. Hey, dad, I'm following this guy named Chuck from America. Yeah, he loves darts, yeah. too. Oh man, that's funny. That's funny. Hey, um, whoever you are, kid, he does not really throw darts. Um, I, I'll, I'm good for a game of darts, but oh, okay. yeah, you know, it's, it's not a whole lot of actual dart centric content. Plus dart is a fun word and I can put it in lots of other words and just sort of mess around with it as yeah. I, as I try to, you know, quote unquote, build my brand, just me goofing off, man. It's, yeah. I like it. I like it. Um, so let's just do some quick thunder talk. Uh, you know, what'd you, what'd you think of Shay last year and just sort of the player that he's regressing to be since maybe you scouted him a few years ago? Uh, yeah, his draft. Um, I actually wasn't, I wasn't doing scouting, scouting for that one. Uh, okay. but I love Shay, love him completely. I put up a, actually, I put up a poll, a few weeks ago on my Twitter account that was who would like, who is just, who's the better player? Who would you rather have on your team? You know, pick basically pick one Shea or Paolo. Cause Paolo has gotten um, number one pick love in yeah. this draft. And Shea won by a landslide and Shea is who I would vote for as well. Um, but, but it's just interesting. It's again, going to, you know, I think Shay, there's a there's a cons- 
there's a uh, perception about him that he's maybe a top 30-ish player. I don't think he's made an all-star game yet. Not yet. Um, an all-star is based, yeah, it's basically top 25. But at least the people who are in, you know, my community on Twitter say that he's better than someone who's in discussion for the number one overall pick. And so it was my way of being like, well, how do you value someone who's a presumptive number one overall pick? What would a number one outcome look like? Is Shea someone who is returning number one overall value? Um, And in my mind, he is like, I, I think he could. Shea, were he on a playoff team would be the second best player probably on a, on a titles worthy team, like right now. That's how good I think he is. So um, yeah, I love Shea. No, he's he's one of my favorites too. He definitely is, and I think that coming into the league, I remember watching him because he got a lot of run his first year with the Clippers, like a lot of run. Um, and I was like, "Holy crap, this kid's like kind of good." Um, he was kind of scrappy on defense, and then whenever he realized he was kind of good on offense, I think he was like, "Ah, eh, I'm gonna slack off on defense just a little bit more." But his first season, I remember him just out hustling everybody and um, just working hard. And he still has such a high ceiling in my opinion, because his three is not there all the way yet. And it's okay now, but his finishing around the rim and, and touch around the rim is just superb. Uh, mm-hmm. And now you can just get that separation. So uh, moving on to another Thunder topic. What about last year's draft? What, what do you think about these these guys that we, we picked up last year? Giddy, Trey Mann. Uh, Robinson Earl, Wiggins. Robinson Earl and Wiggins, yep, yep. Yeah, so yeah, I'll help you out. It's late at night. I got, I've got all yeah, this Yeah, I'm tired as hell filter, too, man. Filtered in my brain. Um, so obviously I was a huge fan of Giddy's. You mentioned I had him number six. Um, Giddy... You know, one thing I like to do with draft classes, it's just useful for me, maybe it's useful for other people, is try, don't focus as much on comparing prospects to um, other players in their draft class. Try comparing them to other draft classes. And one thing about Giddy is that he stuck out relative to other draft classes because playmakers with that vision don't come in that size because... Mm -hmm. Paolo's the only one that even sniffs it this year, and Paolo doesn't pass as well as Giddy passes. Paolo has other advantages, obviously, but um, like the fact that that is a discussion and like a worthy comparison speaks to how good Giddy is. Uh, So I was a big fan of his. I think his fit with Shea is interesting. I mean, they're both young enough that you just, I think any talk about how compatible they are or are not is a little premature. You just want to see what players both are really going to become. Yep. Um, Trey man. I liked, I thought he was talented, um, was a bit lower on him than where he was drafted. Cause I didn't think that he was ultimately going to be that athletic, but <laughs> he took an athletic jump and yeah, you know, he, some of these dunks he was finishing was wild. He only, um, in two years in college, he attempted, attempted one dunk and missed it. So he had zero dunks in two years. He had a reputation on his high school circuit for being a guy who can get up and finish. Huh. 
but I just didn't think it was going to be part of his NBA game. And if you're a guard and you, you can't really get to the rim and get easy baskets, you're going to be in trouble. But he has proven me wrong on that count. I think it'll be interesting to see how those three end up coexisting um, because they all are best with the ball in their hands. But um, Wiggins, I thought, very pleasant surprise. Uh, I liked him, but I didn't think he'd he'd get as much of a look as he has gotten. And he seems like he's a wing who can defend and do just enough on offense to stay on the floor, which is a very valuable resource. That's like every pick from 20 to 50 in this draft. And uh, Robinson Earl... Villanova kid, so he knows his fundamentals, communicates defensively, uh, makes up for some athletic limitations. All about the shot with him, really. I I was I had him about where he was drafted, early second round. Um, some guys were higher on him than me, but I do wonder if that shot is ever going to really come around. That's that's my only issue with him. I think he might get lost as Oklahoma City adds they start to cash in these picks and add and really refine their roster. I don't know if he's really going to be able to pop through for a substantial role. If the shot isn't there. I could see that. So, and this just made me think of a question real quick. You're Sam Presti right now. And you have to make a choice between Isaiah Roby or J Rob. Who are you taking? Oh man. I'd have to brush up on some film. I liked a lot of what Roby did. Um, I think Roby was the better player last year. I don't know how, and maybe you can help me. Yeah. I don't know. Like, I know they played him at five, but I don't know if Roby, can he play positions other than five? Like, can he play on the wing? He could, he could probably play the four. He has a nice first step, like surprising, nice first step. And he's, He's that like sneaky athletic. He doesn't look like he's gonna just try to yeah. kill you with a dunk, but he did it and attempted to do it multiple times this season. Um, outside on the perimeter, you know, just catching it, guy stepping out and closing out too hard, going around him and just being able to yam it. Um, so I think that he could probably play like a good four or five in a small lineup. You know, if a, a team decides like a Warriors, you know what I mean? They got Draymond out the five. It's an okay matchup, similar sizes, similar, you know, athletic abilities. Um, but also yeah. I, I like J-Rob because I think he's a better passer and I think he has a little bit more, he's a little bit more headsy. Um, he makes a lot more of the right plays and he's kind of fearless. Like he's just not scared on defense. He doesn't care who he's going after. He, he guarded uh, Rudy Gobert with like everything that he had and did, not a bad job. Did it to Jokic also. Like, mm-hmm. got cooked, but it could have been a lot worse when you're going <laughs> against Jokic. So, um, they both have some some highs and some lows. I was just wondering, just off the cuff with that, because that's a that's a similar argument that's that's made in Thunder Twitter all the time. Um, and I was just they're very similar in age. They're only what a draft class apart. So I was yeah. just saying if you uh, just had a quick opinion on them. Yeah, I would think whoever you think is the better shooter out of the two, I would go with that one. I think they're probably close enough that you just take the person who can stretch the floor more and yeah. stay on the court in more lineups. And I would just go with that person. So that's probably Jeremiah. But Yeah, but you just flip a coin then, yeah. And then wherever it lands, you just deal with it. Um, 
Okay, so uh, yeah, we, we as Thunder fans, we all thought we cashed in on last year's draft. Like that was a very nice draft for us to have because a lot of us didn't just like you didn't understand Trey Mann just yet until the Lakers game. And I was at that game, like sitting behind the bench and I see him take off. And I was like, what the, you know, I can't believe he's about to go do this. And he just put it on someone's head. So, um, and then Andrew Wiggins. Yeah. He's too bad. He got hurt a little bit there during the end of the season, but I liked what he had to, he'll be a good G league guy for a couple of years. See if he can bring himself out of there. Uh, Cool. So what do you, what do you think Presti's like master plan in this draft is? Uh, master plan. I think he's going to take his guy at two. Um, and that's the most important thing. And then I think he wants to consolidate some of what he has. Cause he has to like, you just, you can't take players with all of these picks and roster them. Um, and move up into the top 10. Like, I do think that's going to happen. So uh, if I were to, do you want me to say who I think he's going to take it to? Not yet. Not yet. Okay. I, I have I, more so, questions. I, for that. So like th- this, this draft is going to be defined at who goes in number two. And if he, or, I, I'm saying for the thunder, like nothing is more important than the high pick. Yes. Um, but they are going to be, you know, after the draft on next Thursday, they're going to be one of the teams that are discussed the most. Cause I do think they'll have two top 10 picks last year. The team that had two top 10 picks was the magic and their second pick would ended up better than their first. Yeah. I wouldn't bet on that happening this year, but it it's possible. So, yeah. No, especially. Yeah. No, I don't think anyone expects that from Franz. Not mm-hmm. that much, not that much. Incurring debt is one of the staples of adulthood. Believe me, I know. You know, from the start of, you know, going to college, moving out of your house, starting your own family, um, all that leads to incurring debt. Um, And paying down debt can be very stressful, you know, because basically everything has to go right. You have to find other forms of income, other flows of income uh, to try to go ahead and and, and bring that down. and it's very difficult to do. You know, you, you sometimes you start to juggle multiple credit cards, multiple payment dates, um, and it can be very arduous. Uh, but if you're tired of juggling due dates, consolidating with a personal loan could be your answer. Uh, that way you'll have one, just one due date a month, and Credit Karma can help you find the best option for you. Credit Karma uses credit data to find loan offers that are personalized to you. Uh, so you can have a better idea of what loan amount you can get approved for. Credit Karma will even show you your chances of approval, so you can choose between loan offers that you're more likely to get approved for and apply with more confidence. Comparing loan offers on Credit Karma is 100% free. It won't affect your credit scores, and you can save money in the process. Are you ready to apply? Head over to creditkarma.com slash loanoffers to see personalized offers. Again, that's creditkarma.com slash loan offers to find the loan for you. That's creditkarma.com slash loan offers. Credit Karma. Apply with more confidence today. Um, all right, so moving on into the draft, and we'll get to some thunder stuff here in a second. Who is your top five? 
right here, right now? Mm. You're catching me after hours. I don't know, man. <laughs> L- let's see. I will say... I will say that my top five is... Uh, Number one, Jabari Smith. Number two, Chet Holmgren. Number three, Paolo. I'll get a little spicy and say number four, AJ Griffin. Number five, Jay Nivey. Wow, that is spicy and it is late. Uh, I haven't heard <laughs> AJ Griffin that that high recently. So um, I really pulled him up in my board after the tournament. I've, I'm the type of person that I read a lot into tournament play and how guys play in those types of moments. Cause they're essentially the biggest moments of their college career, which is kind of like the NBA, but every single night um, and see how they react and play through those things. So uh, AJ Griffin was a guy that I was like, this dude's got some heart and he does a lot of things, right? Just a, yeah, his shots, the goofiest thing ever. Um, it's okay. <laughs> We got professionals for that thing. Um, but you, you don't like his jumper? No. <laughs> no. Because of the wide, the wide base, the spread legs. That's yeah. that's that's what gets you. It's well that no, it's just really slow. It's just too slow right now. Like he has to be just wide open, and I think that's my biggest concern with him. But I think that it doesn't even matter because him getting to the rim he's just way more valuable with all his body control and everything else that he brings with it um and he just has a stupid high motor like the kid just does not stop uh so it's kind of refreshing to hear him in your your top five there (laughs) what's making you push him up higher than you know what most people have had him because i've heard him as low as like 12 13 14 like i've heard him as low as that it's interesting because it's gonna be it's gonna contradict a lot of what you said. Yeah. I so his um his best skill is his shot, in my opinion. It's his jumper. I just don't know so, if it's NBA ready. I'm not saying that it's not. It wasn't great in college. So no, I don't want that to get twisted. Me. Yeah, yeah. I don't yeah, want to get twisted. Me. Well, I don't want people to no. think I'm an idiot. Like that. I know that the kid doesn't make shots. I know that he does. It just that's my concern with it going to the NBA. So, no, it definitely looks weird. I'm not going to, like, it does. And what sticks out when you watch him is, like, the form on that jumper. But he got up, I think, around over 10 and almost 11 threes per 100 possessions. And three-point volume is, like, a big, big indicator because not everyone is athletic enough to even get their shot off in the NBA, let alone to hit it. And the fact that it is an he just turned 19. He was a young freshman. So as an 18 year old, um, and there's a whole lot to do with his background about how he's missed a lot of time because of injuries and COVID sure. to, to come into high major basketball after having a lot of time off, get that many threes up um, and hit them at the rate that he did. He was, you know, a 42% three point shooter um, just meant that he was one of the in my opinion, best shooters in the country, no matter how it looked. And he can also get his shot off uh, from deep, like deep, deep. He can shoot NBA range threes now, and he can shoot them off the dribble. Duke didn't have him do that very often because they wanted to use him more as a spacer because they had so many guys who could handle the ball. Um, But he can shoot off the dribble. 
And he, though he's still a little um, slow in his movements because for a lot of reasons, but he, he was a better athlete in high school, like relative to his peers than he was in college. Like he seems to have lost a step and lost some explosiveness. There's a whole lot of theories around that too. I did a deep dive episode on him a, a few weeks ago on my podcast, but the bottom line is in spite of all of that uncertainty, he still made shots from all over the court. He finished well. He shot well from mid range. Uh, he shot well from three shot well from the free throw line. And that combination in a young wing is rarer than it seems. Jabari Smith, for example, um, did not get to the rim very often and took a ton of shots in the mid range, which brought down his two point percentage. And yeah. so though he is good at it, you know, pretty good at it. There is a question as to what his shot died in the NBA is going to look like Jaden Ivy, who's fifth has no mid range game. None. he, he is, he is a like, Maury ball threes and layups player. That's what he does. And he gets to the rim at will. And yeah. he's like extremely valuable for that, but that's who he is. And so um, to be efficient everywhere is a real asset to have. And I think that putting him that high is a bet that his athleticism is going to come back as he sort of gets healthier and it becomes his profession to play basketball and he's playing every day and really working on it and he gets NBA quality strength and conditioning. But if that hits, I think that he could be the best shoot, like pure shooter in the draft. I think that is on the table for him. So uh, that, that would be my rationale for having him for. Okay. No, I, <laughs> you make valid points all the way. And I, uh, I know he was up there in the very, very beginning mock boards, you know, mock yeah. drafts for a lot of different people. And then <clears throat> combine happened and everything just sort of started skidding, going the wrong way. Yeah, I mean, so the, it's all about medicals with him, whatever yeah. he's disclosing to teams and that stuff. I don't know. So yeah. if I viewed his medical report, maybe I'd feel differently, but I, I am blessed to not have to look at that <laughs> stuff. Cause I'm, I can just, dwell in my optimism and so that's that's what i'll do, <laughs> dwell in my optimism. dwell away chuck dwell away <laughs> um so who do you think that the, the thunder take at two uh i think either paolo or chet i would i lean chet i think is that i think that is who they would take it to because i think that jabari ultimately will go number one um I don't have any intel on that. It'd be nice. Yeah. It'd be cool if I did. But I just, I, I think at the end of the day, um, Jabari is the most uh, sort of like, I don't know. I, prototypical is not the word because he's a weird player. But that, that three-point shooting is just such a smooth fit to any team that it's going to be hard to turn that down. He's also a full year younger than Chet, which is something Jabari has going for him. Yeah. Played in a major conference, was super productive. So I think Orlando will will ultimately lean there. Paolo is right there in all of these discussions, but on the Thunder, my thought about it is that Presti is going to want to swing for what he perceives as the higher upside prospect 
And to me, out of those two, though I people can disagree reasonably, I think Chet is the higher upside prospect. You know, this is such a weird draft because there's no there's no clear cut order one through four. I think the most common thing people feel is that Ivy is behind these other three. Yeah, I I, I put my spicy little pick of AJ Green <laughs> fourth, but Ivy's usually fourth, and Ivy like I'm absolutely could be the best player in the draft. And that does not usually happen where there there's that degree of uncertainty among the first four picks. But what I said before about Giddy, you got to compare relative to other draft years. That gives you an idea in, in looking at Paolo versus Chet. Um, there's just, there's less precedent for a guy like Chet. There's less comparisons Guys don't come uh, into the league with Chet's dimensions and his degree of feel and his touch. Yeah. I mean, he has really, really good touch. Um, his frame is bizarre, and I think people get hung up on it, sometimes validly, sometimes not validly. But he's just so, um, just so unique, and he's been so good at every level that – I would rather bet on that than Paolo, who, while he's very good and has the 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 cleanest theory of being like a creator among everyone at the top. And that's what, you know, some people swear by that and have Paolo first because they they view him as the best sort of creative wing at the top of the draft. I have him to me up there too. Yeah, like that yes. I I don't begrudge anyone for having him up there. To me, he doesn't do anything um that is like truly outlier good relative to other draft classes and other prospects. And notably, I think his best skill is uh, generating layups and getting deep in the paint. And he's very good at that, but he does not have a great first step, which is the easiest way to amplify that skill. And so that's why I have him just a touch lower than the other two. But I mean, he's really good, really, really good. But that's yeah. why I would, I would think, if Presty agrees with me, let's—I don't know if it's a good thing if he does or he doesn't. Then that's why uh, he he might prefer Chet. You just got it. You got to try to get as unprecedented as you can. It's a league of unicorns, so you might as well try to swing for a unicorn. See, and that's. <laughs> all the things that you mentioned about his frame, he got bullied by guards, you know, in the tournament, just absolutely bullied by D one guards, which nowadays are a dime a dozen, right? Like they're everywhere. Mm -hmm. Um, And that, and then I have a hard time personally with Gonzaga players. I have a very hard time trusting that system translating into the league. The only thing that gives me a little bit of hope about Chet is he doesn't have a mustache like Adam Morrison did. Um, <laughs> and uh, he is way bigger, you know, taller, longer, everything. And, and his foot footwork is just great. But um, he still scares me a little bit. But I, I love Paolo because I think that, like, my player comp to him in a weird way, I, I said a less athletic but smarter Blake Griffin at that age. Yeah. Like I think the same that body is, type, you know, yes. <laughs> same sort of where they like to, you know, get the ball and, and do everything that they like to do. So, um, 
and then Chet, like you said, there's nobody that you can really compare him to. And we were talking about it the other night or not the other night, but you know, a couple of weeks ago and, and literally one through four splitting hairs. Cause they all have something great to bring. It just depends on who feels like taking a swing where and, and what's left over when it's all said and done. So, yeah, I think if there's, if there's one thing about Chet with that frame, like you mentioned, he, I would think if the Thunder take him, they do not plan at playing him at center a lot. Because no. when you say he got bullied by guards, he gets he gets pushed back, understandably, on drives mostly. In the yep. post, he holds up better than you'd think. But the NBA isn't a post-up league. It's a it's a drive and kick, drive and kick, drive and kick league. And so if he's in the middle all the time for that, then I think he'd still be a like a pretty good defensive center just because, you know, his his instincts, his positioning, his footwork, like you said, is so good. Yeah. But I would expect that the any team that takes him has a plan in mind to play him on the wing and try to use him like the Cavs used Evan Mobley. I think that's that's more the idea for him. Now he doesn't he can't switch on defense the way that Mobley can. Mobley was really an all-defense ish level player as a rookie yeah chet won't be that because he's not the same level of athlete um but as a weak side shot blocker someone who can you sort of set him up on the worst wing on the other team someone who he can sag off a little bit and sort of play free safety yeah he can be a an, a really really good defender and paolo in fact the other day said that like chet was like he said, he's a game changer because he was the only guy who sort of stopped me in the paint a couple times this year. Because you know Duke and Gonzaga played their sort of marquee game, you know, right at the start of the season. Uh, yeah, I mean, we'll see, we'll see. And that's the thing about the draft is you really don't know how they're going to play against these guys until they play against these guys. And oh yeah, all sorry. Meant to say one thing about Gonzaga, okay. Gonzaga players. If there's one thing I can sort of ease your concerns, if the Thunder end up taking Chet, is that um, Gonzaga never had a number one recruit before, which is basically what Chet was. So other guys who had come through there were sort of by definition overachievers who seemed to like get better at Gonzaga and then try to enter the league. And Chet was always a true blue one and done, no doubt top five pick. I'll give so, you that. I'll give you that. I, I just don't know why I, I can't help it. Gonzaga players like <laughs> Rui bad. is about the only one that, that I've been like seriously impressed with in the last 10 years. Um, that, yeah, I just can't add Adam, Adam Morrison did it to me. He, he went from being the best shooter ever to, I don't know what happened. Um, <laughs> I don't know what happened, but uh, so you know, talking about the Thunder still, who do you or who are some guys that <coughs> that you like that fall, you know, where our Clippers pick is at with number 12? And then you can change this question up because you mentioned it kind of in the beginning, too. If they do get off that 12th pick and move up, what's that look like? What are you thinking, hearing, any of the sort when it comes down to that 12th pick? Okay, so – among guys that would be available there that I think the Thunder would be interested in, Tari Eason, uh, LSU, 
he's a big wing, six, seven, six, eight. He's the guy at the combine who had measurements that were basically like Kawhi has like, he has like the biggest hands in the draft uh, is probably the best wing defender in the draft has the most talent as a wing defender in the draft. Um, although Jabari is very good at it too. Uh, Jeremy Sohan, another wing defender. He's, you know, if you wanted to be very irresponsible, you could say he's sort of like the Draymond Green of the draft, although I, I would disagree with that. But uh, switchable wing, a very smart, very smart uh, kid and was an 18-year-old freshman and was like the best defensive and smartest defensive player on like a very good Baylor team. Yeah. So uh, offense is a bit of an adventure with him, but he sort of makes hay through sort of craft and, and guile. I think those two would be ones that Presti looks at closely um, because you have a lot of your creation already with yeah. uh, Shea and with Giddy. And so, and you have man as sort of a third guard that you've invested in. that's going to stick around. So I would think that he's targeting wings and, you know, someone, you know, one of those top three, you know, six, 10 plus guys, yeah. obviously right at the, right at the very top. So out of available wings, those two, I doubt Matherin or Keegan Murray are, is going to be there at 12 uh, though. Either could be someone that they target in a trade up uh, Dyson Daniels is a hot name. Among sort of teams that are trying to trade up, you're making yeah. a, a motion that that would not be your favorite. That no, no, no. Would... I want him. No, I, I would oh, love him. Oh, you, oh, oh, yeah, you I do? Would love, yeah, I like him a lot. I think that he has a lot of just a lot of intangibles that you put him on the right team and and he can really flourish. Um, I, yeah, his body's amazing. You know, it's just – it's a fine specimen, and he moves really, really well. Even though he played like junk part of the season, like, he he looked – I don't know. He just – he has something about him. I can't explain it. I get weird about players like that. It's like Draymond. I hate him now, right? But, like, during that Michigan State run in the March Madness, I was like, this dude's going to do something someday. Like, he's going <laughs> to impact a team someday. Um, and I remember saying that I was like, he doesn't do anything just super special or like, you know, shoot very, very well, but there's just something about this guy that, that he's going to do great things someday. And I was somehow right about it, even though I don't want to be, um, yeah, I was throwing darts. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, um, I, I, I like Dyson, but I think he's going to be gone by the time it gets to the 12. I, I think he's yeah, that, yeah, he, that would, that would be a trade target if they wanted to, yeah, if they yeah, want to do that. And Dyson, Dyson's good. I have him. Uh, I actually moved to him up a little bit recently. I do have him in the top 10. I think that if they, if they make a move and trade up, um, either, either Keegan or Matherin, I think would be names to watch. Um, I think Keegan Murray, I like I haven't seen them tied to Keegan at all, but he he'd be a very I think he's another guy who's like a smooth fit anywhere. Um, but especially in OKC, you want to try to get players that complement each other's not just skill set, but complements each other's development. Yep. So for Shea and Giddy, you wanted you want to space the floor because you, you need to because Giddy is not a good shooter yet. And Shea is a low-volume three-point shooter. So you want to try to get to a point 
where you're playing five out as as much as possible. Yep. And so um, Keegan, I think, is an underrated shooter, a very, very good one. He's another guy kind of like A.J. Griffin, who is efficient from all over the court um, and has wing size. And that's something that obviously they could use. I also think A.J. Griffin, if he starts falling, is, you know, I obviously think that that would be a good thing because he provides a lot of spacing as well. And he's not going to go fourth. He, he'll go somewhere, you know, seven to 12. Yeah. So I think there's, if they make that move up, I, most recently I saw they were tied to the number seven pick because they were offering, or I don't even know if they're offering, but there was no. a thought that maybe yeah. Dort's involved in something like that. But supposedly the, the Blazers are the one really trying to push it and the Thunder, they're on the record saying that they're really not trying to have the talks at all. So, okay. Yeah, okay. I, I think it's I think it's being reported. You know how Twitter is like it's a hive mind. If enough people say it, everybody starts believing it. And uh, Jake Fisher picked it up and said that I guess he reached out and the Thunder were like, no, we're not even talking about that right now. So, so there um, you go. yeah, so I don't I don't think so. But also Sam Presti does some of the craziest crap. And tells us one thing and does completely another. Uh, you know, the, the Paul George trade, none of us, not one of us, thought that, that was going to happen. Not one. Um, so, uh, yeah, I, I take it with a grain of salt. But still, yeah, I don't, I don't think it's happening. And I love Lou Dort. Um, he can't go. He's, he's one of those guys. You know how I was just talking about Draymond? He's one of those guys to me at least he's, he's one of those ones. Like whenever you need to stop, he's a Marcus smart. He's a, Oh man. He's, he's just one of those guys. When you need to stop, he, he'll get it for you. And he's not battling well, and, for it. And you, you need to get another one. You need to give him some help on that. Oh yeah. Way. Yeah. Yeah. And that's why I'm okay mm-hmm. with like a, a, a Sochan or, um, or Sohan. I don't know how the hell you say it. I think it's uh, Sohan, but I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. I'd, I'd be okay with any just, three and D type of guy um, all the way. Cause I'm, I'm right there with you. I think it is time to start stretching this floor out. Uh, you've tried with certain players, you've done some different things and it just hasn't worked out just yet. So you, you just got to go get these guys straight from college that were successful in college shooting. So, yeah. um, uh, so 34th or, so if we trade it up other than the seventh, would it be anything else? Uh, uh, yeah, I mean, that all depends. Cause I, you don't trade up Like if Pressy were to do that, he would not trade up until like the board was shaking out because he would have a specific player in mind that he would be interested in. Yeah. Um, so it could be anywhere. It depends on if someone starts falling, I would expect, I would expect the top four, is obviously the top three Ivy and then five, six, seven, I would think is some combination of Matherin Keegan and Dyson Daniels that, that if I would think those are the top seven picks in the draft. And okay. so um, it depends on if he's really interested in, in AJ Griffin or Shaden Sharp or maybe Jalen Duran. I'm a big fan of Duran, uh, the Memphis big. I think that he is. Yep. Uh, underrated and I think he's going to get I think he's going to be a steal for
whoever picks him up. Yep. He, I think the Spurs might have interested him at nine. So maybe if the Thunder really like him, they could trade up to eight and nab him. But uh, he's in the sort of Robert Williams the third mold. And you saw like the impact that he could have oh, yeah. in the playoffs and in the finals. So yeah. that's that's sort of his vibe. So well, I think toss him with a giddy who <laughs> can, you know, right. thread needles all day. Yeah. That kid would flourish in this system. Um, he, yeah. he's one of those. If they ended up somehow him. with, with him and Chet, that would be a wild, wild, wild pairing in the front yeah. court. But yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Love it. So um, moving back to the 34th pick that we have mm-hmm. since we traded off the 30th for <laughs> Michael Green and uh, what was it? Future first, if I'm remembering Future right. Future first, man. Uh, always. Just stacking them up. We're, we're going for the Victor lottery next year. That's right. Um, but uh, so we're at 34. If we don't trade it off, what are some guys? Uh, I have a feeling we're going to end up trading that one off on draft night too. That and like some more seconds that we have in the future to move up late first. But that's just my theory. Yeah. Um, but w- what do you think? If we had a player available there, who's who's on your board right right around there? Oh, there's a ton of wings. There's Christian Brown, the Kansas wing. Yeah. Um, I'm sure, you know, Again, a guy who keeps the ball moving, very good passer, attacking closeouts, and who can shoot and defend. You know, the type of guy who complements talent. The, the With Giddy and Shea there, you just want people who complement them. And so um, Jake LaRavia, Wake Forest, is someone I could see Presti liking because he processes the game very well, very good passer, quick decision maker, um six eight kind of he's kind of like a um robinson earl ish yeah but more talented shooter um let's see and there's a couple guys that are interesting like patrick baldwin jr he was a top 10 recruit coming into the college year and then his college season you know went down the toilet for a couple different reasons but six nine and can really shoot that's his mo so the talent might be too much uh, for Presti to pass up there. Yeah. Uh, Marjan Beauchamp, uh, G League Ignite guy. Uh, another sort of, he's kind of like Brown, rugged sort of defensive wing, but has some offensive juice to him. He's probably going to be gone by then, but you never Come know. On. You know, yeah. yeah. Um, trying to think of who else. There's a bunch of guys, but I... I don't want to be stammering trying to come up with them. If, if something <laughs> else comes to mind, I'll let you know. Okay. Okay. Um, so if you were to have like one bold prediction about this year's draft for the Thunder, what would it be? Um, depends. Like I, I think – Presti is likely to, well, no, not after what you said, I was going to be like, the, you know, he's going to have two top seven picks, but you shot that down. Yeah. I would I, say it could happen because he, he throws smoke screens all the time. So if you want to live by it, go ahead. That's you, you can go on record saying it. Don't let me the, deter you. No, no, no. It's okay. And I shouldn't be, you know, I shouldn't shy away from my dart. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I'll say that uh, <laughs> the bold prediction is that, they'll end up with the best player in the draft. That, that That's my pretty, I think all these guys are close enough at the top. All right. You know, they, they each have certain limitations that are interesting. 
And the Thunder have, I think, the best developmental structure for any of them yep. out of those top teams because you have Giddy, but mostly you have Shea. I mean, Shea is a a true blue star. And though, you know, Jalen Green is really good and Houston fans, uh, I think, understandably believe that he's a star. Shea is a star that makes other players better, like right now. Yeah. And so you pair it with that, the infrastructure that uh, they have, this other creator in Giddy that can create lots of easy looks. I think whether it's Jabari or whether it's Chet, and I do old or Paolo, but I think those two are the top. They're going to go one, two. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I agree with you. Whoever ends up in Oklahoma City will have a better situation for them than Orlando. And Orlando's a good situation. I'm not saying it's bad. I just think Shea is that special. And so there's my prediction. They will end up with the best player in the draft. You heard it here first, folks. You heard it That's here right. first. That's right. um, no, but we do a good job, especially the last three seasons in the draft. I mean, Poku's still in in development. He's still evolving like an anamorph. Um, and, <laughs> Great reference. <laughs> you're welcome. Uh, I, I'm waiting on him to really just come out because that summer league was a blast, uh, an absolute hoot. And then uh, the end of that tank season was fun too. So, uh, no, but we, we do a very good job of – finding these kind of unicorns and, and these diamonds in the rough. I mean, Lou Dort, the fact that we pulled Lou Dort undrafted and now he's being mentioned as trade bait in an extension year to move up five spots in the lottery. Like the fact that it's even being talked about is amazing to me. Um, it just speaks a lot yep. to, to our culture and what we do over here. Um, so, yeah. We, we probably will though. And, and I trust Sam. We have like shirts that we made. Was it last year? Might've been after the draft after Josh Giddy. Uh, Cause just to be honest with you, whenever we drafted him, like I told you, I didn't do any research on this guy, like really no clue. <laughs> and whenever he drafted him, I was like, we got these guys. I was, and granted I was drunk. We have a, uh, uh, draft pool party at my house every year. Well, it's the second year doing it, but it's going to be every year from now on. And uh, I, was hammered. <laughs> I was hammered and I was like, we got all these guys on the board still. And you draft this dickhead. Um, and I literally ate crow for like the next like six months as he was just hooping, winning Western conference player, you know, rookie Western conference player of the month, four years or four months in a row. And just some of the stuff that he does. So we made shirts that say, trust the Presty on them. And it's whenever he's, it's in a, a cartoon form whenever he says scared money, don't make none. Um, in that interview with Paul George, you know, whenever he first got him to sign, it was like, I don't know. They did like a ESPN 30 for 30 type of uh, yeah, documentary yeah, yeah. on it. Whenever Paul George resigned and that's whenever he said that. Um, so we have shirts about it and that's where I'm at now with it. Like I trust him. Like he can come over right now and watch my kid. And I wouldn't even, like think of twice about it but yes yeah, <laughs> I, I trust you that much uh, super cool dude I, didn't, I didn't know he said that scared money don't make none that's good that also speaks to him taking chet chet yeah. would be the most fearless pick to make if he's there so yeah. Yeah. and say unless orlando just 
wants to, but I think that they, they're in love with Franz and they're willing to live with the Franz going forward and they don't need a Chet there. Um, they really need a Jabari type player too. Like, well, that well the real well. Con- the connection there is that Chet and Jalen Suggs went to high school together and are best friends. I did not know that. I did yeah. not know that actually. They got the Gonzaga pipeline, man. Back to I back. totally so, forgot that. Yeah. I totally forgot. I, I don't, that. I mean, look, I don't think that would be their determining criteria, but uh, that's a factor. It's just yeah, it's just a factor. Yeah. yeah. Um, so we have a rap fire questions, right? So sure. uh, the first one that we're going to go over is overrated, underrated. So it's just going to be just a player. And I'm going to ask just certain categories about them is, is the way it's broken down. So um, in a few of these questions, I need to set some parameters around it. Let's just say the last combine was what? Three weeks ago? Sure. Give or take. All right, so from three weeks ago, no, from four weeks ago until today, your biggest rides are on your board. Four weeks ago to today. Yeah, and we're going to set everything right about then since the combine came out. There's more, you know, intel on these guys than what there was before. Sure. Uh, There's an Italian kid named Gabriel Prasita. He would be the biggest riser on my board. Now he he showed out well at the combine. He measured well, tested athletically well. Um, a big reason though, while he rose on my board, is following that testing. I knew he could shoot a little bit. I hadn't really watched his tape very thoroughly. I just international. I had looked at some international guys, but not him. Yeah. Um, and he's very good. He is a legit wing athlete, a legit wing defensive prospect, uh, can jump off of either foot or two feet. Uh, and he has very good jumper mechanics, releases it high. I think that he, uh, as a player, he's kind of similar to Matherin. Not quite the athlete as Matherin, but uh, not like in, in the same ballpark. And a better a defender than Matherin is right now. Where so. do you have him at on your board? Top right 20. Nice. Top 20. That's okay. where I got him. So I'd he'd say, be the biggest riser for me. Say, I think I saw him in like late 30s, early 40s in the beginning. Yeah. So, um, yeah. and probably not on some of the boards. So, uh, cool, cool, cool. So, what about the biggest faller? I'm going to have to look at my board. Give me just a moment. Biggest okay. faller. Um, you know, Pat Baldwin, that was, I don't know if you knew about his combine, like his athletic measurements, but they were not good. They were, they were rough. Um, he had like a really short vertical and just his like agility drills were just not good. He just didn't test it like athletically at all. Yeah. And so that was a tough beat for him. Um, I don't know that he's fallen that much. Maybe he's fallen like five or 10 slots, but when you're getting into the twenties and thirties, five or 10 slots, you know, there it's so flat. That's not a huge drop, but yeah. probably him. I would, I would have liked for him to show more athletic pop because if you're even the, even at his size, which is good, I just did an episode on him, but his size, which is good. And his shooting ability, which is good. If you really 
don't have a lot of athletic juice, then that probably tops you out as like a fifth starter, like the worst starter on an NBA team, yeah. which is still valuable to find in the draft. But if that's your ceiling, then it means if anything goes wrong, you're just sort of like a bench Ryan Anderson-ish journeyman. And that, that's tough for a guy who is the fourth ranked recruit in the country coming into this college season. Yeah. Tough outcome. Yeah. Life comes at you fast. Uh, yes, it does. <laughs> so uh, best shooter. Best shooter in, in the whole draft. Yeah. In this year's draft. Yep. Yeah. Um, I mean, I gave my whole AJ Griffin spiel, but yeah. I have Jabari number one. So I'll, I'll say Jabari. Okay. And, and that's his, he's not quite a unicorn, but he, what sticks out relative to other draft classes is how he shoots over uh, contests. He, yeah. you know, AJ does that great as well, but Jabari can, it, his form is just insane because of how high his release is and how picture perfect it looks. So yeah. he's, he's like a clay Thompson esque shot form, which is very hard to do. And he does it at six ten. So. I'd say way taller and can jump out of yeah. a gym. So, um, okay. So, uh, best athlete, best athlete, best basketball athletes, Jaden Ivy, best, um, athlete that is not sort of like on the ball, like Ivy will be, uh, is, I would say is Jalen Duran. Yeah. I think Duran's up there. I think Duran's yeah. way up there. Um, okay, so what about the best passer? Best passer. Best passer is tough in the whole class. Well, um, Paolo is up there. Paolo's a very, very good passer. And he is going to get the chance to make lots of passes because yep. he, he's good at other stuff too. There's a kid... Um, it was also a combine superstar Jalen Williams from Santa Clara. Yep. That kid is a very good passer, really good. And he, he's surprised a bunch of people because he measured with a seven, two wingspan, even though he's like six, four, six, five, which is like a massive, oh, massive yeah. difference. Um, and I think passing is the best part of his game as a wing. And so I, I would say, you know, I'll, I'll just say him for fun i think he is an excellent passer okay no he actually uh was i watched a few games with him he's he's really fun makes some yeah. good decisions and uh can get himself out of bad situations so uh all right so best defender best defender um i mentioned tari eason yep probably go with tari eason dyson daniels is right there with him Really, really good. Dyson's actually probably a better defender right now. Tari has to sort of smooth out some bad habits that he has learned. Um, so one of those two. And then um, Duran is up there as well with how athletic he is and how good I think he's going to be and the fact that I think he's going to be able to switch. So, yeah, we're, we're, I'm lower on Sohan than some people. I a lot of people would say that Sohan's the best defender in the class. I do not feel that way. Yeah. Well, there's a lot of argument around it too already. So, and I think I agree with your picks more than Sohan or Sochin. Um, I'm just going to say <laughs> it both ways so we can confuse everybody. It's your uh, pod, man. Um, no, I like those defensive picks. I really do. 
so what about the highest floor? Highest floor, uh, Jabari. Jabari. I agree with you on yeah. there. For some reason, he gives me like Jason Tatum, but a better frame and can get probably create a little bit better space just because of his frame. Like, because Jason Tatum, I think, releases kind of high. It's sort of similar to how Clay Thompson does. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, his body's just impeccable, though, and his shooting form, where you said it perfect. It's literally just – it's the chef's kiss of a shot. It is just beautiful. Um, it's definitely not A.J. Griffin's shot. Um, <laughs> but that's here nor there. So Yeah, if, if, if one's a chef's kiss, I don't – I, I – I sh- I, I don't want to pursue that analogy any further. I'll just say that. <laughs> but AJ's got a beautiful shot, man. It's just, it's more ugly delicious. There you go. There you, that is sort of extending the analogy. That that was perfect though. That was perfect. And my wife calls me that all the time. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so uh, what about the deepest bag? Deepest bag. You know, it's sort of a bagless draft. It really does not excel with guys who have, you know, let's say like Trey Mann has a very deep bag. Shea yeah. has a very deep bag. You know, Giddy even has a pretty deep bag um, with his little spins and stuff towards the hoop, especially when he chains it with his passes. Mm-hmm. So for a bag rich team like the Thunder, I don't know. Um, deepest bag. And there's a kid, Alondis Williams from Wake Forest. He's got a pretty deep bag off the dribble can really break defenders down power through them throws some absolutely insane passes Jalen Williams is a better passer because he doesn't turn it over as much as Alondis but Alondis throws passes that no one else can throw in this class um off a dribble but you know I'll say um you know Bryce McGowan's has got himself a little bit of a bag but Paolo is the the easiest answer and probably the right one yeah, he, he can get to a lot of different spots on the court, um, access a lot of different shots. I just wish wish his shot went in a little bit more than it did, but he I definitely thought, has a bag. I thought Coach K used him wrong the whole season. So um, just based off what I've seen on the combine too, like the, the guy's got way more skills than what I thought he got to display in college. That's just my personal opinion. But Coach K runs his people down very – linear pass whenever he decides what their role is so uh yeah i think he 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 got in his own head a little bit because he had three guards who could handle the ball in more keels and uh roach and because of that it put them all like he tried to spread that out among all of them instead of just going more with the best player and you know having him run pick and roll and yeah yeah so i agree with you yeah he was out on the perimeter by himself way too much um okay so this next uh little game we're gonna play uh and it's gonna close us out after this uh is start bench cut um and i'm not even gonna do that one because he used acronyms that i don't understand um (laughs) so that's his own fault dylan you heard it here uh so start bunch cut first one uh, Tar Eason, EJ Liddell, Sochan, Sohan. Oh my, oh my god, I'm really high on EJ Liddell, by the way. Like, I, I love EJ, like, I'm glad I think he's slept on. 
Yeah, I think he's so slept on. Like every mock draft pod that I've been on with the with the team, everyone's like, which one, Jerry? And I'm like, EJ Liddell. Like, I think he's NBA ready. I think the only reason why he didn't get as much like hype and everything around him is because it was Ohio State. Yes, they were good, but the they were kind of overshadowed by the Michigan, you know, being good this year and um who else from the big 10 was kind of surprising uh i mean iowa Purdue, Purdue was up there yeah, the you whole know, year you know you always have michigan state in the mix yeah and, so I mean, ej is also a junior and so he's not going to get the amount of shine as um like the the freshman group and he had a freshman on his team malachi brandon was really really good so yeah well but i I understand this whole like age thing in the draft now. Like I get it. And I understand why it's kind of sexy to get you an 18 or 19 year old. Um, and I'll probably feel that way about life like that in my fifties or sixties. Um, but <laughs> <laughs> I really like the, the, the area we're exploring on this podcast. Yeah. No, but Harry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Chuck. Um, I'm the wild card of the pod, like everybody else's business. And I, I got to keep it alive. I got to keep no, it. Tell me, tell me more about how you're going to age. Love yeah. To no, uh, but EJ Liddell, I, I, I don't get caught up in the whole age thing unless they're like 24, 25, 26 years old. Like I'm cool with the 21 sure. year old, um, especially one that shoots at a very good clip and isn't a complete dummy on defense and has a very good body. Um, yeah. I'm not I'm totally. Just, like, yeah, he can just literally plug and play on any team and he's going to be a, a guy, you know, he kind of reminds me of a, in a weird way, a not so refrigerator shaped Dylan Brooks or sorry, sorry, yeah. Desmond Bain, Desmond Bain, Desmond Bain. I don't know why I said Dylan Brooks, Desmond Bain, like in a weird way. I, and I don't know why, but whenever I see them two play, it's like almost the same thing um see to to me the comp is grant williams that's who he reminds me of i most. could see that too i could see that all yeah. the way too. just the the types of shots that he takes he's not trying to create his own offense every single time he's just going to know his role and yeah. hit open shots um and play hard everywhere else so, so where, where yeah, do you have I, him at right now i have him 16th i'm really was, high huh and wow. i and i have tari I think 12th or 13th and I have Sohan 14th or 15th. So this question I refuse to answer. I'm pleading the fifth. Okay. But uh, cause they're all within like four picks of each other. But I, I think EJ, I mean, you, you laid out the case. I just yeah. think he's going to be good in important ways. You know, Grant Williams didn't have a great finals, but when they needed someone to wall up against Giannis, he was great. And yeah. so teams, good teams play other good teams that have sort of powerful wings that you have to contain. Uh -huh. EJ will help to do stuff like that. Yep. So I, and I believe in his shot. I think his shot's really good. I think he's maybe the most underrated shooter in the class is I would say is EJ Liddell. Yeah. So someone tagged me in it because on the pod, because I'm always talking about like, I had him in my top 10 for a little bit. I had him at like nine. Mm -hmm. you know, eight or nine in that area for a little bit. Um, just cause no, I'm not wild. Yeah. Not wild. Yeah. Well now it is. Cause he, he slid so much over the last, you know, couple weeks on pretty much every single board. So, um, okay. So 
you have yours really close, so you can't do that. Let's just do one one more of these. Um, what about Sharp, AJ Griffin? Uh, I can't say his, the math kid. I can never say his Mathren. name right. Mathren. Mathren. There you go. Yeah, uh, Start Griffin, Bench Mathren, Cut Sharp. I like it. <laughs> you would, uh, if Dylan was here, he'd be really mad at you because he's a shade and sharp truther, uh, but he's also a Kentucky fan. So he's very biased in the situation. And before the draft yeah, started with all, with all those wins, Shaden brought him. I could well, see why he'd be. You well, know. It's funny because before the draft started and like, he started to get some momentum behind his name, you know, because yeah. very early he was like, where's he going to be at? You know what I mean? Where's, where's this kid going to land at? And then some tape came out, I guess, interview started and he started climbing up and workout started. And, but Dylan, before all this started, was like, oh yeah, he's coming back to Kentucky next year. He's coming back. I know he is. He's going to come get us oh, some wins since tough. he didn't play. That's, yeah. That's, yeah. Ain't happening, tough. dog. Ain't happening. Um, but no, I'm not and, that high and, on Shaden either. I, and I, I have him and Matherin like back to back too. I think Shaden could end up being very good. I mean, he, he certainly has you know, ridiculous bounce as an athlete and he can make shots off the dribble. It's more that I view him and, and Matherin as similar-ish kinds of um, NBA roles. Yeah. And Matherin is just the known quantity. So if you're both really good athletes, you're going to be able to shoot threes and like finish off cuts. Then I'll take the one who's like played the last two years and is really good for his age and has gotten a lot better, like demonstrably has gotten better. Yeah. You know, I so th that's why. But yeah, I mean, it's not like I think Shaden could be really good. He gives me Terrence Ferguson vibes. I don't know why. Interesting. But he gives me Terrence Ferguson vibes. I don't know what it is about it. So, um, yeah, that was the end of the, the games, as Dylan likes to call them. So, Chuck, we're at the end here. What do you got to plug? Plug plug away. Oh, man, it's just my podcast, Chucking Darts NBA and Draft Podcast. I'm at Chucking Darts on Twitter. Um, the only way that I put my podcast out that you'll know about, unless you subscribe, and please do, um, is if you follow me on Twitter and, you know, I, that's, I just tweet them out and some very nice folks will retweet them and, and give me some minor publicity, but that's follow me on Twitter. You'll, you'll find my stuff. So thank you. Remember guys, he predicted Josh Giddy to the thunder last year. Um, so, uh, Chuck, we can't thank you enough. Uh, fans or not fans, listeners. Um, well, you could be a fan of me too, I guess. I'm pretty cool. Um, I'm a uh, fan. Yeah. Uh, Chuck was really patient with me tonight as we went through the Zoom chaos of the podcast. So, uh, Chuck, we can't thank you enough, man, for staying up late with us, doing this after the Celtics losing to the Warriors. Um, and here's to another what? We got it a week before you get to just start scrapping everything, all the hard work you've done over the last year, you get to scrap <laughs> it and start all over again uh, on June 24th. So uh, appreciate you so much again, man. Uh, everybody, you heard them. Uh, Chuck and Darts, you need to go check them out. Go give them some reviews. Go subscribe. Uh, I've enjoyed it. I hope you've enjoyed it too, Chuck. Uh, and whenever we leave the podcast, Chuck, we have to do a – It's it's – I have to, you don't get to question it, but we do a thunder up at the end of this. Okay. So, 
Um, we have a little outro. Hoop when you can or golf when you can, if you're Jerry. Um, uh, <laughs> wash your hands. Don't be a nasty. And as always, we got a week left. And then we're going to thunder up. Thunder, thunder up. There we go. Thanks, Chuck. <laughs> Thanks, man. I appreciate it. Thank you for listening to the Topic Thunder podcast. Our podcast is available to subscribe on Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, and Google Play, or anywhere else you listen to your podcast. Be sure to leave us a five-star rating and a positive review, and follow us on Twitter at OKC Topic Thunder. Thunder up! Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. Spin your passion into a business with Shopify and break sales records with the world's best converting checkout. Let's hear that one more time. The world's best converting checkout. Shopify's legendary checkout makes it easier for customers to shop on your website, across social media, and everywhere in between. Now that's music to your ears. Any way you spin it, you can be a smash hit with Shopify. Start your dollar a month trial today at shopify.com slash records.